You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome to Max A. Pooch's Awesome Animal Advocates on the Pet Life Radio Network. This is the unique show where each episode is focused on an animal advocate whose work helps improve or save the lives of animals and makes our planet a better place. I'm Keith Sanderson, creator and host of Awesome Animal Advocates and the sidekick of Max A. Pooch, the canine champion for animals and the environment. Our guest today is Sarah Barnett. Sarah is the Senior Reputation Manager for the Humane Society of the United States. When Sarah's not working, she enjoys volunteering at the zoo, volunteering with a local animal rescue group, horseback riding, and helping other organizations manage their social media and crisis communications. In her position, Sarah works to increase positive sentiment about the organization and brand in traditional media and online. And according to the information provided me by Sarah, the Humane Society of the United States is the nation's largest and most effective animal welfare organization. Her previous work in the HSUS social media department led the organization to be recognized as one of the top 20 nonprofits on Twitter by the Huffington Post. However, critics of the HSUS, including the organization Humane Watch, make several claims about the Humane Society of the United States, including their advertising is false by implying it runs animal shelters when, in fact, only 1% of the donations the HSUS collects goes to shelters. I'll ask Sarah about this claim about a federal racketeering and bribery lawsuit against the HSUS and other questions critics have raised. However, first, we need to take a break to hear from our sponsors. We'll be right back. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. Pet Life Radio, the number one pet radio network on the planet, joins forces with iHeartRadio to put the power of your pets in your pocket. Awesome. Download the iHeartRadio app and rock Pet Life Radio on your phone, on your tablet, on your Xbox, in your car. Pet talk, pet tunes, and fun pet times. Pet Life Radio and iHeartRadio. Positively possum. It's designerpetsweaters.com. Hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat. Beautiful couture patterns for your pets, including custom-knitted formal wear, casual wear, yachting, and even sports-themed. Many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats, top hats, and a lot of sparkle. Each sweater includes leg loops, front paw sleeves, and leash opening. Visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Your pets will stay warm for the winter and be runway ready. Large or small, we fit them all. Designerpetsweaters.com Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com Welcome back to Max A. Pooch's Awesome Animal Advocates. I'm your host, Keith Sanderson, and my guest today is Sarah Barnett, Senior Reputation Manager for the Humane Society of the United States. Sarah has graciously accepted an invitation to be with us today to respond to some claims made by Humane Watch, an organization that is critical of the HSUS. Hi, Sarah. Thank you for being with us today. 
Hi, Keith. Thanks for having me on. I'm happy to talk about our work a little bit more. Well, that's good because, you know, I get confused when I read those claims, and I'm sure many of our listeners do. And, uh, in fact, on its website and in a YouTube video titled Lawyers in Cages, Humane Watch makes several claims, including the advertising of the Humane Society of the United States is false by implying it runs animal shelters, when, in fact, only 1% of the donations go to shelters. Does a claim you run shelters and do you make that claim in your ads or other promotional materials, Sarah? No, absolutely not. It's entirely false information that they're putting out there. Our advertisements on TV include all the animals that we rescue, footage from our investigations and and rescues, as well as documentation from some of the larger campaigns that we do, such as our work to stop the commercial seal hunt in Canada. And our website and our communications with members, our magazine, All Animals, all talk about all animals, which is our mission. Our mission is to help all animals, not just those in shelters. Okay, so I believe I saw that ad you had that was dogs in cages. Was that a recent ad you did, or do I have the right name to it? Well, I'm not sure of the name of the ad. We do have commercials out there that that show some dogs are in cages. Normally, it's at an emergency shelter that our animal rescue team is staffing and that we have volunteers at normally after a rescue case that local agencies have asked for assistance on that we're helping with. I don't know if you know Abby Volan, but she was with us uh, about a year ago, and she's with the Humane Society of the United States. And essentially, what she was doing then was supporting animal shelters by providing them information on how to set up and procedures and run things better. And so to me, that's helping us shelter as much or maybe as more than a direct donation because they can be more effective. Are those the kind of activities you're doing a lot of? We do a lot of that. And actually, you know, I prior to HSUS, I worked at an animal shelter. So I can speak firsthand to the work that HSUS does and how it helps shelters. You know, a lot of What shelters do is helping animals in the community, and what the HSUS does is really focus on the root causes that, you know, affect all animals, including those in shelters. So the work you mentioned that Abby Volan does is fantastic work that she and the companion animals staff that we have do. We also do what's called Pets for Life, which is where we're trying to keep pets from ending up in shelters in the first place by keeping them in their homes. So we have lots of different initiatives and campaigns that we do a lot of work on where the effect, you know, it's not a straight grant to a shelter, but the effect is is that it keeps an animal either out of a shelter or it educates people on how to be responsible pet owners. And it really helps all animals, not just the shelter animals. Well, that's interesting because um, that certainly gives a a little different point of view than uh, what some of the critics are saying. Speaking of the critics, again, Humane Watch claims that, and I'm quoting them now, the real goal, and they're referring back to the Humane Society of the United States, the real goal is to eliminate factory farming. Is that the real goal? Or, no, or, no, no, that's absolutely not not our goal. Our goal, you know, we were formed 60 years ago. Actually, in November, we had our 60th anniversary. And we were formed, like I said earlier, to really address the root causes of cruelty to all animals and focus on issues that impact all animals. You know, we, we often think about the animals in our backyard, like dogs and cats, but you've also got to think about, you know, rhinos and elephants and other wildlife, as well as the farm animals. There's billions of farm animals that are suffering from cruelty all around the world. So that's what we reform to do is to focus on really helping all animals and protect them from cruelty. 
I have a question. You mentioned wild animals, and uh, this is a little outside of what we're discussing, but it came up in uh, our local neighborhood. We live out in the country, and, and there's quite a few animals that are hit by cars, and uh, so there's some debate going on what can be done. Are you aware of any activities trying to reduce the carnage on the highways of deer and other animals? You know, it's a bigger issue. It's an issue that also we focus on, you know, we actually work on immunocontraception, for example, for deer, which decreases, you know, there's a lot of places where they try to have deer culls, where they say, okay, there's too many deer, so we're going to try to, you know, have a deer hunt and shoot a bunch of deer, and somehow, magically, the population will go away. And what we focus on more is a scientific approach that focuses on having deer, resolving the humane wildlife conflicts humanely. That kind of ties into what you're talking about with, with the roadkill issue, really, is, is trying to decrease it so that there's less conflict out there. And there's also, we do have on our, on our website, we have resources on how you can avoid hitting animals on the road. It's not always avoidable, but there's some tips that can help you for, you know, deer, raccoon, all the animals that, that are out there that might run across the road. Well, that's great because I'm going to go to your website and look it up and then refer it because this has been a really active conversation on a, our little neighborhood network. And uh, deer and turkeys are really a big problem uh, right through here. It's rural. It's a two-lane highway. People have a tendency to speed. It's forested, and it, it's all the wrong things that add up to what you're saying. So I'm glad uh, you mentioned that because I, I need to take a look, and I'll, I'm going to pass that information on to uh, my neighbors because there's been all sorts of debates from deer whistles to honking horns and everything else. So Definitely, uh, we have lots of resources on that. Well, that's good to know. Now, going back to uh, your critics, they're also claiming that, well, they gave figures for 2010. Again, this is Humane Watch. And they claim that the Humane Society of the United States put $2.6 million in its pension fund for employees. Now, should donors be concerned that millions of dollars go into a pension fund for employees instead of supporting animal advocacy activities? No, you know, the, the fact is that we spend, you know, if you look at our 2013 figures and 2010, but most recently 2013, our financial statements are available on our website for anyone to see. We spend 81% on our program expenses. And those programs are, you know, to stop the cruel commercial seal hunt, to stop horse slaughter for human consumption in the U.S. You know, we have lots of different campaigns and that's really what donor dollars are going to. We absolutely pay our staff. And like any responsible employer, we're going to have health care, pension options, 401k plans off to those employees, but they're entirely in line with what other nonprofits offer. There's nothing really distinct about them. And it is, you know, with Humane Watch and their, their project of the Center for Consumer Freedom. And it's kind of absurd because they're talking about claiming that we have self-enrichment or something like that. That's crazy when this is an organization, Humane Watch, that really they're really only benefiting the people that work there and their head guy, which is Richard Berman. Wow. You know, that's very interesting because it struck me why, if you're going to employ people, then you're going to want to treat them right, and that includes having pensions and, and other perks for them. If you want to get the best people to help your cause, then you have to be competitive. So I wondered about that. But there was one that, you know, and I read a little bit in the background, and it was to me it was sort of confusing, but the crux of it was they claim there was a federal racketeering and bribery suit against the Humane Society of the United States. Are you guys into some kind of really clandestine sort of 
covert kind of bad stuff or what? No, no, uh, we're not. And once again, it's just them trying to kind of divert attention from the main issue, which is really helping all animals. And that's, that's really our focus. And 14 years ago, there was a lawsuit. HSUS was not a party to it. And it was a lawsuit that focused on abusive circus elephants. And the court never ruled on that question. And so, you know, in May, the 12 remaining parties decided to settle the cases and avoid continuing costs. Now, one of the parties that did, that was involved in that lawsuit was the Fund for Animals, which we became affiliated with in 2005. And so we were involved in that sense. And then Fell did do a countersuit, which is where the claim comes in that that Humane Watch mentions, but that was also settled. There was no conviction. They like to claim that there's some, like you mentioned, clandestine issue, but there was never a conviction. It was simply settling an issue so that we can go forward and focus on helping animals, including those in circuses. And, you know, all the settlement costs to the HSUS, we expect to be covered by insurance and that in the end, no donor dollars from the HSUS will go to this issue, go to Feld. That's interesting. So let me get this straight. A organization that you eventually became affiliated with had a lawsuit filed against them. And the plaintiff was an organization that uh, essentially uses elephants in circuses, right? Is that? Well, it was, so it was Ringling Brothers, Barnum and Bailey, and the lawsuit was filed by many different animal protection organizations back about 14 years ago. And that was where the Fund for Animals was involved. And it was filed against Ringling Brothers, Barnum and Bailey, or against Feld Entertainment specifically about, and it had to do with alleged abuse of circus elephants. I mean, I'm sorry they filed that. I mean, I'd rather see no more elephants in the circus, but uh, I guess when they're trying to fight for their business, they'll do anything they can, including file a racketeering charge. But uh, we need to take a break right now. And there's something else that really bothers me when I was doing research, and it's affiliation of the Humane Society of the United States with the infamous felon and pit bull breeder and fighter, Michael Vick. When we get back, I'd like to talk to you about that a little bit. So, if, Okay, so if our audience can uh, stay with us, we'll be right back. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm Dana Humphrey, also known as the Pet Lady. I travel from coast to coast to pet trade shows and consumer events to scout out what the hottest, hippest, and most unique pet products are on the planet, bringing you tips and tricks from top veterinarians, groomers, trainers on how to safely travel and live happily with your pets. The Pet Lady will be in a city near you, showing off the latest and greatest tech pet gadgets, cozy comforts, and fab gift ideas for man's and woman's best friend. You can learn more at thepetlady.net or connect socially and tweet with me at Pet Lady World. Hi, everybody. I'm Megan Blake here with my sidekick, Super Smiley. The giant mutt and spokes dog for throwaways. You're listening to Pet Life Radio, and I'd like to tell you about our brand new show, A Super Smiley Adventure. Our show explores adventures with animals. They can be traveling out in the world trips or inner journeys where our animals lead us to inspiration and self-discovery or just plain fun adventures. Join us here on Pet Life Radio on A Super Smiley Adventure. Good boy. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. 
Welcome back to Max A. Pooch's Awesome Animal Advocates. Our guest today is Sarah Barnett, Reputation Manager for the Humane Society of the United States. And Sarah, on your website, there's a picture of the Humane Society of the United States president and of the infamous felon and pit bull breeder and fighter, Michael Vick, accompanied with a picture as a claim that HSUS bought airline tickets for Vick. Is that true? What's the basis of this? Well, it's, it's just to clarify, it's not on our website. It's once again one of those attempts by Humane Watch to, to take away from what we're doing. No, we did not buy plane tickets. It's another one of those absurd claims that's out there. We have worked on the dog fighting issue for years, and nobody was louder and stronger in pushing for Michael Vick to be held responsible for his actions. You know, he was held accountable for his actions by the court, and we did work with him to talk to at-risk youth. It's one of those programs I mentioned earlier where we're trying to get to that root cause of cruelty. You know, a lot of people, when it comes to dog fighting, they start out as children. You know, they don't know that it's wrong, which to us as advocates seems crazy, but to them, you know, that's how they get involved when they're young. And so one of the things we did was we had Michael Vick talk to at-risk youth about why dog fighting is wrong and really, you know, that there's no future in dog fighting, that it's not something you want to get involved in. And then he also helped with lobbying Congress to pass the Animal Spectator Prohibition Act, which basically makes it a felony for anyone to bring a child to a dog fight. And it's crazy that that wasn't the case before, but when you're bringing children to dog fights and they're brought up thinking that it's a normal occurrence, that's going to make it more likely for them to get involved in dog fights. So that's just one of the ways that we kind of approach that issue to try to really stop dog fighting. Okay, because if I remember right, that part of Vic's sentence was to make restitution, not financial, but to make appearances, teaching people the right thing to do. And I guess that's where that claim comes in. He was fulfilling the court's order. I don't believe it was a court order. I think it was just that he wanted to talk to people about it. And we were able to facilitate that because we really wanted to get the message out to people that we weren't able to get the message out through our normal channels. Okay. All right. Well, that's even better because, uh, you know, if it was court ordered, I'd think, well, okay, he's doing it because he has to. But if uh, he was doing it on his own volition, that is uh, also perhaps a testimony that Michael saw the uh, error in his way. Do you think he did? You know, only he knows the answer to that. One thing I would recommend people who are really invested in that issue and as somebody who's fostered a lot of pit bull type dogs, you know, it's understandable that a lot of people are passionate about it. Our CEO actually has a book that has a chapter on this. The book is called The Bond. And that chapter goes more in depth into our work with Vic to stop dog fighting. And I would definitely encourage people who are interested in it to read that chapter because it really is eye-opening. It was eye-opening for me. And I think it really, as advocates, helps to understand how this approach can really help stop dog fighting. That's excellent advice because I think, in fact, I know I agree that if you are brought up exposed to something as a child, it, it's just part of your world, whether it's dog fighting or, or eating pizzas for breakfast. And I don't mean to, to lessen the enormity of dog fighting, but I mean, that's just the way most humans are built. You take what you're brought up with as the norm. So if you're brought up with dog fighting, unless somebody bothers to stop this chain, you're just going to be doing that as an adult and uh, just carrying that circle around. And uh, I applaud you guys for the work you're doing there. And um, Thank you. You're welcome. Now, again, going back to Humane Watch, they write on their website, and I quote, Why can't HSUS afford to spend more on pet shelters? This holiday season, make sure your friends and family know to avoid this ripoff of the charity and support their local shelters, which probably don't get a dime from the HSUS. What do you say in response to Humane Watch? 
You know, it's, it's really ridiculous because in a sense, what they're doing is they're attacking an organization for something that isn't their mission. That wasn't our mission. We weren't formed for that purpose. Our mission is to protect all animals, to help all animals and to confront cruelty. And we do that. And we do that extremely effectively, which is one of the reasons that they, you know, target us with this kind of misinformation. So what I would tell people that have questions about that is to look at our website, look at the work that we do, see the broad scope of the work that we do for all animals, and that includes animals in shelters. We don't just throw money at problems. We really try to get to the causes of them so that they stop happening. That's really our main focus. So that's what I would, I would definitely say to that is to really not pay much attention to it. So that's where their charge comes about, you guys paying lobbyists money and things, because a lot of times your work would include that, would it not? Well, the real issue with Humane Watch is really just their mission, so to speak. You know, Berman himself has been quoted in memos that have said basically that the intended effect of Humane Watch is to depress some of the donation stream that the HSUS would have expected prior to our campaign. And that's really their focus. And this is an organization, you know, some of his charities have paid more than 92% of their donations to Berman and his for-profit corporation. So when you're talking about where money is going and shady things that don't sound right, there's a reason that his groups have been condemned by a lot of editorial boards and there have been lots of exposés on them. So that's that's really where their gripe is coming from. We absolutely use all different tactics to take these issues head on. That includes legislation, that includes litigation, you know, and that's really important work. That's where a lot of work is getting done. And that's why we're being effective in our work. But it's also why we're being targeted is because there's groups that want to try to keep the status quo. They don't want us making progress for animals. And they'd prefer that we just focus on dogs and cats so that farm animals continue to suffer and wildlife continues to suffer instead. You know, that's sort of amazing because I wasn't aware, you know, I, I keep on seeing these claims and until I started doing a little investigating and research, I didn't realize that so many of them were really coming from one organization. So you believe that they want to stem the cash flow from the HSUS to their own organization or other organizations? Did I get you right on that? Yes. I mean, basically what he does, what Richard Berman does is he has a PR firm and he has a lot of nonprofits. The Center for Consumer Freedom is one of them. And he was actually, there was an expose in the New York Times, you know, less than two months ago, where he had been recorded pitching to big oil executives. And he basically said, or this is actually his exact quote, is we run all this stuff through nonprofit organizations that are insulated from having to disclose donors. There's total anonymity. People don't know who support us. We've been doing this for 20-something years in this regard. And to that degree, to anybody is concerned about that, I will tell you there are all sorts of ways, all sorts of firewalls that have been established to get this done on an anonymous basis. And that really shows you what his mission is, what his motivation is, and that's money, that's financial. And that's that's why he attacks us. It's why his groups have attacked the Center for Disease Control, Mothers Against Drunk Driving, the EPA. You know, he has tons of supposed nonprofits out there that that's what they do. They just, they attack. Kill the messenger is his his mission, and that's what he's trying to do. And our best way to fight back is really to continue our work to help animals and to really make progress for animals while he's spending millions trying to stop it. Wow, that's very interesting. Now, if I want to get more information about them, I mean, you know, uh, what you said, is there any place I can go and find out just what they're, you know, they're about? Absolutely. Yeah, there's lots of, quite honestly, there's, the internet has lots of resources on what Richard Berman is about. What I would recommend doing, you can go to humanesociety.org slash Berman. We have some resources on it. You can also just do a Google search for Richard Berman, Dr. Evil. That will bring you up lots of results. 60 Minutes dubbed him Dr. Evil a few years back. Him and his nonprofits have been talked about in the New York Times, 
Boston Globe, lots of different places. So they are definitely no friend to animals. It's amazing. And I think, you know, from what I've heard, you know, on my Facebook pages, read on and Twitter accounts and, and whatnot, that unfortunately some of what he's doing uh, against you is rubbing off because I do get comments like, don't give to the HSUS, you know, give to your local shelter. It's only, and it's coming from, you know, some person who believes what they're saying is is something that is true and uh, that's got to be disturbing to you somebody who works so hard for the HSUS. It's definitely disheartening you know and I would encourage anybody that you know if you see information out there that makes you think twice or have a question about our work you know come ask us. We're very transparent to our donors. Our financial statements are all on our website. You can contact us on social media channels. You know, we're very easy to approach and ask questions and just ask us, you know, and we're happy to explain. We do use our CEO's blog as one good avenue to get out word about either dispelling misinformation or about what we're doing really every day. This week, you know, his blogs have focused on the victories that our donors have made possible in 2014. And it's incredible to see the victories and to also from my standpoint, having to pick the victories because there's so many. So, you know, that's what we're doing. And that's what I would really encourage people to look at is look at the effectiveness of our work and, you know, look at our CEO's blog and see the depths of it. And if you have doubts or questions, you know, let us know. Now, where can I find that blog? It's at waynepaselli.org. Okay. And where can I learn about some of the other good things that the HSUS is doing? We have lots of different channels available. You know, first and foremost, our website, humanesociety.org. You can also follow us on Twitter and on Facebook. On Twitter, we're at Humane Society, and on Facebook, it's facebook.com slash Humane Society. We talk every day on those channels. We get the word out about what we're doing. We have Facebook pages for our specific campaigns. So if you want to focus on farm animal issues or you want to focus on our work with small farmers or you want to focus on wildlife protection, you know, you can go and like those Facebook pages if you want updates specific to those issues as well. Okay. And could anyone in my audience who, now where would they send a question if they, you know, had a question about something they saw or read about the HSUS? Is there an information email that I could use to get back to you guys? Yeah. You know, um, if they write you, you know, you're welcome to forward it on to me. They can also ask on any of our social media channels. Like I said, on Twitter or Facebook, if they message us on Facebook, we have staff that look at those messages and make sure that those people get the answers that they're looking for. Well, that's great that people can get those questions answered because I think that so, particularly with the social media today, that so many times by training, I, undergraduate, I had a degree in history, and uh, that one of the best things about that I think was to be skeptical of, of sources, and so I was always would double check even in the days of print. But I think it's even more important today and in, in social media to check what's being said rather than just parodying it because so many claims and counterclaims are made and uh, people just keep on sending them around and around without even bothering to see if they're true. Absolutely. And, and that happens a lot. Even now when you've got staff cutbacks when it comes to journalism, a lot of reporters aren't even able to check their facts or aren't checking their facts. So sometimes if you see something on a news site, you know, don't just assume it's accurate. Do your homework, check it out, ask the organization that it's about, social media check before you share something. You know, it might be a lot of those issues that are being shared are animal cruelty cases and shelters get inundated with these calls about them and the cruelty case may have already been wrapped up. You see that a lot. I mean, we do. Uh, yes, that's sad. Hey, Sarah, I ask each of my guests this question, and that question is: With all the human misery and suffering in the world, how can you and the HSUS justify spending time, money, and other resources advocating for animals? 
You know, it's easy for us to do because we're fortunate that the U.S. has a lot of causes and organizations, and there's organizations for pretty much every issue out there. So each issue gets the experts and the advocacy that, you know, it deserves. And a lot of our work also isn't just about animals. We're really about strengthening the human-animal bond. And so when it comes to that, you know, when you donate to us, we're not just focusing on helping those animals. We're focusing on helping people learn more about animals, show more compassion to them. And when they show more compassion to animals, they tend to show it more to people too. I think that's so true. And you just can't, you know, I have yet to meet a person who's mean to animals and kind to people. I mean, it's almost like counterintuitive. I mean, yeah. you know, and and I think there's statistics that also show that abusers, if they've abused humans, they probably a good probability they've abused animals and vice versa. So Yes, there's uh, lots of statistics out there on that. So, hey, you know, we've run out of time and I want to thank you so much for joining us today because I know that coming on and answering questions like this can be uh, a little bit tough, particularly if you feel passionately about the organization uh, that you're working with. So thanks so much, Sarah. Absolutely. I'm glad you gave us the opportunity. And uh, Max A. Pooch also thanks you and gives you five big tail wagging wolves for coming forth and responding to the claims made by the critics of the Humane Society of the United States. And I want to thank Mark Winter, executive producer and co-founder of Pet Life Radio and the sponsors who make this program possible. And please join us for each and every episode of Max A. Pooch's Awesome Animal Advocates. And be sure to tell your friends about us. Remember, until we meet again, when you do a good thing for animals, you help to make the world a better place. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.